Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for October 12th, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, I'm Sorry. Us, we don't know how to respond, do we? It's just all this pent-up energy that we don't know what to do with. Oh, bless our hearts. <laughs> Truly. We were at the Riverside Church in the city of New York. That's how you say it, last week. For the installation of our good friend, Dr. Amy K. Butler, which is how her name was always used that weekend. They don't have pent-up stuff at the Riverside Church in the city of New York. When she finished preaching, they burst into applause. The first Sunday, she got a standing ovation, but hereafter, it's just been applause. I don't quite know what to do that I don't think I've ever gotten a round of applause for a sermon. It's one of the first things that we teach our children to say after mama, dada, bye-bye, please and thank you, we teach them to say, I'm sorry. One shouldn't say something that one does not mean, but I will confess to being one of those parents who forced my children to say, I'm sorry, even when I knew and they knew that they did not mean it. All of the other words come so much more easily to us, but sometimes I'm sorry gets a little bit stuck in my throat a bit. I don't remember my own first words, of course, but I do remember my own children's first words. But I do remember the first time that I had to say I'm sorry when I know I did not mean it. My parents were right to make me say it. My brother got married when I was three years old. His wife was fine, I guess, but I didn't like her. I vividly remember detesting her. <laughs> she took my big brother and I was not giving in easily. Sometime after their wedding, they came to our house for dinner. I don't really remember if this was months or maybe even years later, because I didn't like her for a very long time. <laughs> but they were at our house. They lived just down the road from us, not a mile from us. But when they got ready to go home for dinner, after dinner that night, I remember my little girl self saying, Ginger, you can go on home, but Rut's staying here with us. <laughs> and I said it in that ugly, hateful, mean, terrible child tone. They left. I got a lecture of a lifetime. And then my parents made me make that dreaded phone call. I had to call Ginger and apologize. I did it. I did not mean it. I meant she could go on home, but I wanted my brother to stay there. 
but I'm sure I said I'm sorry. Forty-five years later, I love her dearly. And we laugh about that night to this day. I'll say, you remember that time Daddy made me call you and apologize for not liking you? She, would, she always says, yes, I remember. And I say, I was not sorry. She <laughs> said, I know you were not sorry. <laughs> Luckily, she forgives me. She forgives me for being the bratty little sister-in-law. It's amazing the power in those two little words, I'm sorry. Those two little words initiate the power of forgiveness. Those two words beg to hear three more words, I forgive you. So to whom do you need to say I'm sorry? And to whom do you need to offer forgiveness? Is some of the toughest work ahead. We're in a new sermon series of sorts beginning today. We've done a lot of work preparing, talking about what it means to be Christian and why being Christian matters today. And so from now until Advent, we're going to look at what does that mean to be Christian no better place to start than with forgiveness, I guess. Peter comes to Jesus to get some clarification, some guidelines, some measurement, some rule, because we're like that about forgiveness. Surely there must be a limit. The rabbis taught that three times would be sufficient for forgiveness. So Peter, feeling generous when he posed his question, how many times should we forgive Jesus? Oh, as many as seven that seems so excessive. The rabbis say three's enough, but Peter went out on a limb with seven. I guess it seemed like enough or maybe more than enough. And Jesus responds in his typical Jesus fashion, blowing their minds and causing their jaw to drop. No, Peter, seven will not be enough. Why don't you try 77 times? Or some translations wonder if it should be read 70 times 7. Holy cow, that's too many. I believe Jesus' response implies that it's best not to put a number on forgiveness. It's the ongoing work of being alive and in relationship with one another and with God. Forgiveness the very essence of our relationships we aren't going to get tied up on we're not going to get to tie this one up in a nice bow or wash our hands of it three times will not be enough and no Peter not even seven times will be enough forgiveness goes on and on and on and then in good Jesus fashion he tells them a story to illustrate his point Except in closer reading, this story, while, emphasize, while interesting, doesn't emphasize the point at all. Frankly, the story contradicts the point that Jesus is trying to make, and I've been right frustrated about that all week. In the story, the king forgives the debt of one of his slaves. 
It is a huge debt, like the kind of debt that he will never see his way out of. 10,000 talents. One talent would have been about 15 to 20 years of daily wages. The point being, he would never be able to pay off this debt. After the begging and the pleading of the slave, the king forgives the debt. Ooh, what a relief. And so the slave promptly goes out and finds someone that owes him and demands to be repaid. A hundred denarii. One denarius would have been the equivalent of about a day's wage. This was doable to repay. The extremes of this story really stagger the mind. 10,000 talents forgiven. 100 denarii, just that's nothing. And yet the slave forced him to pay it. I guess this was as staggering as the jolt they felt that the day Jesus said seven times to forgive would not be enough. Make that 77 times. It's so extreme. It's too much. So, anyway, this is where the story goes awry. The slave fails to pay forward forgiveness. And the king finds out about it. And it just about does him in. And here's where, in my opinion, Jesus would have done better just to leave well enough alone with 77 times and not punctuated Peter's question with a story just this one time. The king seems to fall short by about 76 times in the forgiveness category because he orders the unforgiving slave to be tortured to death until his debt is paid, which would never happen. He would never be able to pay 10,000 talents, and he tortures him until the debt is paid. And then Jesus warns with some big end statement, God wants forgiveness, period. God offers it, and God wants it of us. You get how this story doesn't go? Oh, don't let this parable push you around or distract you. Don't start playing the literalist with the parables of Jesus. They are stories to convey a point, a drastic and extreme point Seven times, Peter asks, thinking he's being generous. No, 77 times. That's so extreme, Jesus. Impossible, even. The parable underlines that Jesus means this thing. If you're going to choose to live the way of Jesus, your life better be bent on forgiveness. Your life may depend on it. To whom do you need to say, I'm sorry? And who needs to hear from you, I forgive you? This is not the way of the world. 
It is the way of Jesus. Repentance and forgiveness are cornerstones to a life of faith. We live in more of an eye for an eye kind of world where retaliation and payback are the name of the game. Getting even and settling the score are practiced more. Revenge and even righteous indignation bubble up to the surface and we would rather see than to forgive. Or is it just me? Forgiveness may be some of the hardest work required of us. It will not come easy. It will take practice. I think that's what the 77's all about. Practice. Over and over and over again, we will be called upon to forgive, to forgive one another, to forgive ourselves. But let me clarify what forgiveness is not. I love the writing and art of Jan Richardson, and she reminds us that forgiveness is not excusing or overlooking harm that has been done to us and saying that everything will be okay. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean allowing the person who has hurt us to persist in this behavior. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness does not require us to forget. Worst saying ever. Forgive and forget. You can't forget. You set yourself up for failure when you think, well, I can't forget it. I guess I can't forgive it. No, you can remember it. And every single time you remember it, you can choose again forgiveness 77 times or 70 times seven. Forgiveness is not something we can do at will and always all at once. Listen to that one again. Forgiveness is not something that we can do at will and always all at once. She says, if we have absorbed any of these distorted beliefs about forgiveness, it can come as both a shock and a relief to learn that such ideas would be foreign to Jesus. Clearly, he expects us, requires us to forgive. Yet in his teaching about forgiveness, nowhere does Jesus lay on us the kind of burdens that we have put upon ourselves, burdens that can make one of the most difficult spiritual practices almost impossible. The way of Jesus demands, yes, I think that's what this parable of extremes is trying to tell us, the way of Jesus and the love of God demands forgiveness. Do you have it in you? Did I mention that this is some of the hardest work of the gospel? A few weeks ago in my Wednesday night spiritual practices group, we dealt with this particular passage and we talked about forgiveness and the thing that just kept running over and over in my mind was, but I don't want to. I'm not done with it yet. I don't want to forgive. It's too hard. It's too much work. In good Jesus fashion, 
I'm going to end with a story. If I could be so presumptuous as to say, Jesus should have used this one instead of the one he told. <laughs> it's difficult to be forgiven and forgiving people. It takes time and it involves struggle. Sister Helen Prejean, in her book, Dead Man Walking, tells the story of Lloyd LeBlanc, a Roman Catholic layman whose son was murdered. When he arrived in the field with the sheriff's deputies to identify his son, LeBlanc immediately knelt by the boy's body and prayed the Lord's Prayer. And when he came to the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, he realized the depth of commitment he was making. We pray it at least once every week. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The man later said, whoever did this, whoever killed my son, I must forgive them. Though it's been difficult not to be overcome by bitterness and feelings of revenge, he says, and that does well up from time to time. LeBlanc said that each day for the rest of his life, Forgiveness must be prayed for, struggled for, and won. Every day for the rest of his life, he decided to choose forgiveness. I guess we can see how seven times just won't cut it. My guess is... He will likely live more than 77 days and maybe more than 70 times seven days. And every single time he prays, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That number of times to forgive has no end. It seems to me in the list of things we teach our children to say, please, thank you, I'm sorry. We should be teaching our children to say, I forgive you. We should teach them early and often, even apologizing to them when we are wrong. Or sometimes we are. So that they can have a chance to forgive us. What better thing to teach them early? We know that this is how it works. Because we learned it from God. You are loved. You are be at peace. Amen. Thanks for listening today. 
We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.